Welcome, everybody, to episode 163 of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. Tonight's going to be fun. Uh, it, it's, it's a bit up my alley. The gauntlet was thrown down by the boys at the Spirit of Time podcast. I, Despite having not had time to catch up on the wrist cheese episode that dropped today, as we're recording this on a Monday, um, I know that the gauntlet has been thrown down, and we needed to pick that up and answer it. So tonight we're talking cocktails, cocktails for our, I don't want to say favorite, but for a certain cinematic and literary uh, 00 agent, (laughs) Mr. 007. He does have the best number, though. I'll give him that. I'm a big James Bond fan. I also have been wearing number seven in baseball for quite some time, so. And here here I am thinking you just like prime numbers, but there's a literary tie-in. Oh, funny, funny story. Um, (laughs) Guy at church. He and his wife are expecting their third, and her due date is on the 19th, which is a very large prime number, and that has Mm -hmm. his mother really excited. His mother is a math teacher at the local Catholic elementary or a junior high school, so like... He's an engineer as well, so it's it's all of these things. It's and so is his wife. It's like, oh yeah, and, and but with nineteen, you have a number of prime numbers, and his two older children, their birthdays are also on prime numbers. So it's oh. just kind of a yeah, they're they're rolling to it. Yeah, <laughs> so there's I, I, options. <laughs> boy, don't don't if addition to that, if there, he was also like a Straussian and very into. Um, reading numbers into texts that that would be be very big so uh yeah the straussians look at old texts among several other things and they pay attention to like how many chapters are in it and you know find that old authors often put their most important chapters in the the very numerical middle of texts and and things like that I'm still waiting. This is this is a very very old joke, but I'm still waiting for somebody to come up for the first reading at mass and have it be a reading from the book of numbers and then just list <laughs> 17 47 83 125 63 75. <laughs> I feel like you'd have to have the right celebrant for that to get it and then like actually go and do the actual reading. But that, I mean, that humor would be, you'd have everybody rolling. I'm sure. (laughs) I mean, yeah, if we can, yeah, if we can get over the the fact that, you know, the the holy sacrifice of the mass is not the appropriate venue for humor. It is hilarious. I I, I do like it. You could probably, you know, you could probably work it in a homily if you were a priest or a deacon. You could probably, you could probably riff on quoting numbers and joke about that. Um, there's a there's a priest who does uh, mass at St. Rose here down on the river, and he's very known for his his very brief travelers masses that don't have any music at eight thirty mm-hmm. on Sundays, and he always he always does a five minute homily despite only covering twenty seven minutes. Um, and he always has a joke in it. And I feel like this would be right up his alley. <laughs> well, and, and you know, it, it's amazing. It doesn't take, it doesn't take long uh, to mm-hmm. say mass w- without the music. I mean, we had, yeah. we had daily mass back at prep. That was, yeah, always under half an hour was fantastic. The one that blew me away was we went to Ash Wednesday and it was the 7 a.m. mass. And you would like, no, I guess in fairness, they did have a 9 a.m. mass for all the school kids. Mm-hmm. But, 
but our oldest is in pre-K. So like he didn't go to that because they only start going to all school mass in kindergarten. And I was like, oh, seven o'clock mass. You'll be done easily before 8.05 drop off. And they were not like you would have thought like seven o'clock mass. You're like, all right, 8.05 drop off because I have to run to the other side of the building. And no, they weren't. They were not. <laughs> I was like, come on. It's a school day. Exactly. <laughs> Your yeah. own students have to be there. <laughs> Some of them yeah. are attending. <laughs> Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's the best possible reason to be late for school. Oh, that's yeah, nice. yeah mass it's, it's completely yeah. it's completely fair. But it was just it's just kind of funny. You're like, I would have thought, I would have thought that you guys would have had that had that on lockdown. So, so like speaking of offbeat humor, I was uh, catching up with with some friends I hadn't seen in a while uh, today. One of them, uh, she went to New Zealand on vacation recently. Uh, and uh, she and her family members are big into Lord of the Rings, obviously, um, and, and saw a bunch bunch of the sites yeah. over there. And I was telling her, I go, what you need to do the next time, like this comes up that you're you're just vacation in New Zealand, and someone asks, like, you know, oh, did you see any of the stuff from Lord of the Rings from the movies? You just have to deadpan it and go, what's Lord of the Rings? And just like <laughs> wait for them to like blow their tops. It would be so good. There's so many things that are part of the cultural zeitgeist that when you run into somebody or like you make that joke, like the look is is quite funny. That's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about cocktails for James Bond. But first, we should probably do kind of the, the standard what's in the glass and what's on the wrist. And I think, I think maybe our beverages of choice may, might factor in to part of the topic, but I'll let you go ahead and go first. Buzzman, what have you got? All right. Uh, I am uh, on the boulevards today with the Boulevardier. Yes, dear listeners, I have found my Campari. It was... It wasn't in the cabinet that I thought it was in. It was actually in the pantry on on the uh, hot, one of the higher shelves next to where I keep my protein powder and, and all of those other uh, wild things. Um, so, you know, classic case of not being able to find something because, honestly, you stare at it every day, right? Um, but, yeah, I, I went uh, two to one to a half, roughly, on the ratios. Uh, I made this one with Sazerac rye. Um, I found it very funny because Sazerac's got a little cork stopper top and the uh, Carpano Antica, same thing. But old, old Campari's got a metal twisty deal. That's all uh, gummed up because oh, when yeah. that junk dries. It gets really like uh, gristly, and uh, but yeah, no, it's 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 a fine drink. I like this one perfectly fine, but I am kind of pining for that unique Boulevardier from from my Frankfurt trip. So at some point, what I need what I need to do. Not that Aperol is expensive, but it is, this is another thing where you're going to purchase a bottle of it and have it for five years minimum, mm-hmm. right? If they had half bottles 
of Aperol. Like they have half bottles uh, of of Carpano. Like that would be perfect. That would that would be quite lovely. Um, yeah. So maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll do that. Who knows? Maybe it's all nonsense. I'll just keep talking about how much I like and miss this drink, but never. Actually. Well, the other thing, the other thing too, is if you want to make it, uh, one, you need to just find a drink that could be made with Aperol as part of Hot Scotch Summer, and then I mm-hmm. think you may not have that bottle for nearly as long as you would think, or you just lean in, roll hard to the Boulevardier and yeah. just say, "I'm just drinking these," and make your unique ones whenever you're going to have a cocktail until that bottle is gone. And I feel like you could do it. I think I could too. Yeah. Just, just, I'm a, I'm a bitter boy now and, mm-hmm. and I'm just swollen Aperol and Campari. This is what I do. Yeah. It, it, that, that could be a way to do it. Yeah. The other thing, um, as I was pouring the Sazerac rye today, the cocktail that has eluded me, is the the actual namesake the Sazerac? Um, my opinion of Sazeracs is based solely on one mm, rather celebratory night in Philadelphia. Uh, we, I was um, younger then. Uh, was uh, the the night before we were flying out. Uh, on business to come back home. And I was the, I was the bad influence uh, of the group. We were staying out by the airport and, um, you know, at the manager's reception and all that is very nice and, and good and all. Uh, but one of the guys I was traveling with, it was his birthday. So I had to, to get everyone all excited saying, okay, guys, how many times are you just going to be randomly in, 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 Philadelphia of all places for your birthday. Come on, let's get a cab. Because back then you had to call a cab. Yeah, you know, none of this, none of this Uber, none of this Lyft nonsense. In some cities, cabs are more reliable than Ubers or Lyfts. Let me tell you. But <sighs> which, yeah, you want to talk about damning with faint praise? Anyway, yeah. So get, we we went into to the city. We got some some legit cheesesteaks. Um, got all the requisite GI distress later on because of that, but that's okay. It's yeah, you you put your body on the line, right? Um, Winston Churchill once said, "It it comes time for a man to decide whether to nail his life to the cross of thought or action." When you've got big greasy cheesesteaks and a bunch of booze to be drank, cross of action every time. Um, but yeah, no, we found a cocktail bar fairly late in the night, and it was uh, one of the guys uh, really liked Sazerac's, and we had several rounds of them. Um, at that point, that was the lar- largest bar bill I had ever picked up. But it was great. It was a great time. And every single time I've tried to make one of those since, ah, it's terrible. Just doesn't work. Just doesn't work. You need work. the cheesesteak first. Perhaps. I can do the cheesesteaks quite easily. Couldn't do the <laughs> cheesesteaks quite well. I think I think that what I need to do is um had uh I couldn't find um 
Oh, uh, the stuff that makes you hallucinate that's in the... Uh, absinthe. Ab- absinthe. Yeah, I uh, only could find anisette, so I tried that. And uh, maybe that's just not right. So uh, there is actually a place near me that does some distilling uh, that, that makes absinthe. So maybe I will have to, to get some get some from them. <sighs> All right. Well... Twelve and a half minutes in. Let's get to to what watch I'm wearing, huh? <laughs> the Tudor Black Bay Fifty Eight is once again gracing my wrists. And if I spent more than five minutes preparing that tonight, like in the amount of time between getting getting my oldest down to bed and uh, jumping on this computer, I would have switched it out for that sixteen millimeter NATO strap that I've got mm-hmm. because. That's as James Bond as it gets. It is. But eh, I didn't. Sue me. I don't think that's necessary, but, you know. (sighs) What about you, Spence? So I, this is two weeks in a row that we are playing on the same team, Buzzy. Oh, yeah? Really? Yeah, we are. So I have in the glass a Old Forester Boulevardier with Campari and Martini and Rossi because... I haven't made the trek to try to find Carpano. I really almost refuse to buy Carpano because I'm still so miffed at the state of Ohio about not being able to get Method. Um, so, oh. and only a few places carry Dolan, and I just ran out of my bottle of Dolan, so I gotta. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm still I'm still upset about this, and um, just gross gross judicial overreach when when I. <laughs> When I decide to uh, run for judgeship, right? When I change my name mm-hmm. to Max Justice, that's going to be my first move. I don't care if I have jurisdiction or not. I'm overturning that decision. I, yeah, I wouldn't have any. Uh, yeah, I'd be like the low man on the totem pole, and I'd just be like, "No, method removed the, is allowed." I'm gonna have in, to in Ohio. I will. I will be in New York. On Wednesday and on Thursday, but I'm not staying the night Thursday. Maybe I need to figure out a way to go to a place and see if they'll. Well, they probably can't. I'm trying to I'm trying to find a way to abscond with a bottle without having to check a bag, and I don't see a way around that. I don't see it. I don't see that happening. A uh, bottle. I, I I try to get multiple, but I, like I'm again, I'm not checking. I'm not, it's an overnight trip. I'm not really planning on checking a bag, so I really don't think this is happening. Because I'm pretty sure if I ask the distributor to ship it to me, I think I know what the answer is going to be based on the aforementioned court case. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you could. Anywho. <laughs> yeah. If you ever, if you if you decide that, like, no, I, I'm going full check bag boy. Um, I will gladly. Well, gladly you know, take I'm. The I am thinking about it. On the way out, I'm definitely not. But maybe on the way back. Although that said, I'm I'm flying back on Thursday and literally getting like Thursday at midnight and literally getting in the car Friday to drive drive north. So for the long weekend. So we'll see. Anywho, it's going to be an interesting week. Uh, that said, uh, on the wrist, uh, I actually wore this uh, because. I had an actual work meeting today with a member of the watch fam who I, I won't call out, but um, I wore the Grand Seiko because we've been talking about the Grand Seikos um, 
as I think he recently picked one up. So, uh, you know who you are. Uh, appreciate, appreciate the help today. And, uh, yeah, have on the SBGE, um, two, four, seven, forgetting the back half of the reference number, the, uh, the blizzard <laughs> GMT complication, which I think might actually be a better, a more useful complication for our, our, our fictional spy than the dive watch. Although dive and GMT combined could work like the new Seiko, but you just, you need all the functions, you know, and, and some yeah. would argue that, you know, the, a chronograph to time things would be more accurate than a dive bezel, but he is a Navy man. So we'll, we'll go from there, but keep, keep beating that uh, GMT with dive bezel drum Spence. Don't let your memes be dreams. You will will this into existence like we yeah. have so many times. We will a couple of things into existence. The 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 PPX, Baby PPX. The 39, and the your choice of bracelet on the GMT Master 2. Everyone forgets that was us. <laughs> <laughs> everyone forgets. It was very early stages, but everyone forgets. <laughs> um, uh, time was, you could get... <laughs> I think it was Stockton who was on with us when we talked about that. Anywho. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm drinking. That's what I'm wearing. Um, we should probably get into some some fast, fresh forum finds here real quick before we dive into the main topic. All right. I mean, I could start. If you would like to. I will I will uh, do it faster. Yeah, no, maybe just medium speed. Okay, so we are going back to a uh, an old faithful uh, of the Buzzman, uh, and, and no, it's not uh, Quartz Grand Seiko Divers. Uh, that that's for another time. Uh, we are going uh, for Firenze's uh, finest, uh, Panerai, and we are doing that because my parents recently got back from Italy, including some time in Florence. Um, I've been to Florence before. It is the only place in Europe that I got lost. This was this was back before smartphones and all of that stuff. Back when you had to like pay attention and stuff. Um, but that's okay because I ran into some other people from the tour group that were similarly wandering around. It worked out just fine. Um, yeah, it, it was cool. I liked it there. But uh, if you know, if grown up late thirties buzz was there, well, you know, completely different thing. Uh, yeah, all of the sites that we saw are cool and all, but. I would uh, I would definitely see if if there's like a Panerai museum or some sort of thing to visit, and then I would do absolutely everything that they have there uh, about Dante. But yeah, this <laughs> yeah, just your, your your typical typical things you like. Yeah. Okay, so this two one, things. two things, yeah. This one is a uh, Pam 111 from the Land of the Rising Sun uh, for 3409 American dollars. Gotta love that exchange rate math. <laughs> free in, it's free insured shipping to the U.S. That's impressive. That's pretty fun. Yeah. And one would imagine that something um, this uncomplicated wouldn't have that bad of import duty, but... Uh, I'm uh, willfully ignorant of how that would shake out, so I'll just continue to, I don't know, make vague guesses about it. Uh, they they say it's in pre-owned good condition. I would say that's pretty 
pretty accurate. Uh, we've got a rubber uh, strap with the uh, ridiculous Oficina Penerai branding on it, which, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, honestly, I am like a Cretan. I, I don't, uh, I don't get what makes like a truly beautiful leather strap beautiful. Um, I would imagine there's a lot of places that you can get some like very solid, very serviceable leather straps for Panerai's um, for better than like the OEM, uh, like price slash value thing is. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that that's the way to go. And then, oh my goodness, it even has a display case back. There you go. Uh, that actually, um, I don't know. makes me a little sad now. Um, because yeah, you got the sandwich style display case back. So everything Illuminor needs, uh, to, to be great. That, uh, hmm. but I don't have 3,409 American dollars sitting on the sideline waiting for me to spend it on a ridiculous watch. So I might, if someone wants to buy my uh, Doxa 300T, <laughs> sub 300T, Sea Rambler, uh, and and or, yeah, I mean, maybe you could even buy both, and or the, uh, the Monta Sky Quest Black uh, version 2 bracelet. So slide, slide into those DMs uh, at Buzzworthy Watches on, on Instagram. Hit them Make up. Make it happen. All right. Well, I have something at a different price point because um, that's a ve- yours is oddly a very specific price point. So it's a very hard price point to hit. So this is at a different price point, but this one is also only three figures. So this is a Zodiac Super Sea World Sea Wolf World Super Time World. GMT Super Sea World. Yeah, you Super right Sea World. Yep, World. Super Sea World. Yep. Hang out with Hang out with Shamu. Um, this is the red bezel version of the GMT or world time comp, you know, it doesn't. So, um, really handsome looking watch. I know Spangler's really enjoying, uh, spending time with that one. And, uh, this gentleman who has it on watch you seek wants $999 for it or best reasonable offer. Um, so looks absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, obviously in worn condition, but you know, it looks like he's got, Boxes, papers, hang tags, everything. So just a, a fun piece. This is not a Singapore version like our boy McD has. Um, it has Singapore spelled the right way. But, uh, yeah, this is just a, a nice little find right here. Um, with the red bezel, it looks, looks really stellar. So, um, anyway, that's what I have. Yeah, that's but good. before we get into our main topic, it is definitely sweaty season in Cincinnati. Yes. Big time. Big time. And you know something? If you need to keep things neat and tidy, smelling their best, at least just not smelling their worst, <laughs> you should go over to manscaped.com and check out all of the fine offerings that they have there for, you know, 
manscaping as it is. You know, it's it's landscaping season. It's sweaty season. It's time to be outside, but you don't need to be smelling like you were always outside. Keep those crops revitalized. Keep those crops. Uh, forget the other one. Revitalizer, crop preserver. Keep them preserved. Got to keep them safe. Um, you know, those mesh panels on Boxer Briefs 2.0. Wearing them today, they work wonders. <laughs> that's a that's a good deal. Yeah, I, I never got the 2.0, but the 1.0 is is uh, more more than nice enough. The lawnmower. You, you, you got to mow actual lawns, and then you have to mow metaphoric lawns. And uh, lawnmower 4.0, that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. It's got a light. It's got an LED light. We've been telling this to you for months upon months through the, the change of the seasons. Um, that one consistent thing that's always there for you is that LED light so you can see exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm life-changing in a good way because you know what we we often say life-changing and you know, it that by definition that doesn't have to be a positive thing this is a positive thing though this is true yeah but the other thing i will say too yeah i'm i'm rocking a very nice just past five o'clock shadow beard right now because of the new beard hedger very easy and the thing that i will say is summertime you probably use that a little bit more frequently you want the coverage you want the spf block of the beard of the of the facial fescue, but you don't want to be sweating. Nobody likes an oily, sweaty, damp looking beard when you're outside. You want it to be nice and tidy and trim, which means you're probably using it once a week at the right setting, which I have been doing recently, and it is just just a fantastic, fantastic piece of equipment. And the nice thing is, the the beard hedger is a little bit wider of a cutting surface than other beard trimmers that I've used in the past with guards. Uh, one, the guard system we talked about last week, significantly improved. Um, nice one guard, not a bunch of guards, you know, 20 clicks, you're good. Find that click. Um, but the important thing is the reason I like that, that wider cutting surface is, you know, what you need to do on occasion is take that guard off and set some lines so that you actually have a target when you're actually shaving above above the line or down here on your neck below the line because nobody wants a good neck beard going down like really you know, you need again like the line of demarcation in certain areas yep. you need the line of demarcation between your beard and your chest hair you know so yep. guys let's let's again let's keep let's keep a dmz in there between those two um <laughs> but the nice thing about that is the the big thing that i'm talking here is the distance between the mustache and the sideburn and really that's about one and a half to maybe two of the beard hedgers and the reason that is important is when you're setting a line you want as long of a line as possible, so you have to only guess a couple of times. You don't want to have it. But you, you don't want to have to guess multiple times on both sides. You're you're not going to be even. Having a nice longer straight edge is perfect. Honestly, the best tool for the job if you have enough guts. Manscaped does not have one of these, but if you can get an old fashioned straight razor to set your line, uh, on most guys' faces, a good old fashioned straight razor is about the same distance between the start of the. Uh, the mustache and the uh, the sideburns. So you can use that in one swoop and you're done. But you want to set that line. You want to be nice and clean. And the beard hedger has you taken care of because of the wider cutting surface. Fewer passes. It's like getting a 48, 48 inch deck mower instead of a 36 inch deck mower. Fewer passes. Always better. So if you're convinced that, that all of this is better and this is what you got to buy, do yourself a favor, save a little bit of money. 
because it, it's sweaty season. You don't want to be sweating your finances. No way. Correct. Oh, so there you, we go. Yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like what you did there. Oh, I like, yeah, I do too, actually. Um, but if you wanted to save some money, you could you could go over to Manscaped and let them know we sent you by using promo code BuzzCut for twenty percent off and free shipping. You can let them know we sent you. Support the pod. We'd appreciate it. They'd appreciate it. You'll appreciate Absolutely. it. Yeah, I um, I'm really glad that we decided to to really lean into it with promo code BuzzCut. Because like I don't know, promo code like Spence Shave just doesn't doesn't, doesn't have work. the same ring. Does not work at all. So, well, you know, we're almost a half hour in, so we should probably hit the main topic. Um, like we said, it was a fun little discussion on what would the um, what would what would the uh, the most famous literary and cinematic spy drink if not for a martini? Because we've already covered the watches. What what is the ultimate Bond watch? Canon, non-canon. What he should wear. What he hasn't worn. What have you? Um, it, it is it is kind of sad. Um, I was hoping that at this point the doctor would join us, but the doctor said no, so uh, couldn't make it tonight. There's there's that joke out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> up first just like Dutch. in the movies um uh, I you see know. What you did there. and and i think the other thing too is i want to lean into not beverages i want to lean into cocktails you know uh matt and greg were talking quite a bit about you know what other beverages and, and we know that he is a a champagne a, a, enjoy champagne we've seen that with the dom perignon in the earlier movies with the bollinger in the later movies uh, the whole idea, I was, I was like screaming in my car at Matt and Greg when they were talking about, oh, I think you should know his way around a wine list. There are two very, very noticeable instances of James Bond using a wine selection as a way to out a villain. In From Russia With Love, um, the guy who was actually, um, he was, oh, he, he, played, he played Quint in Jaws. I can't remember the actor's name. But he was the, the bad guy. He was posing as another British double O. And once they figure out who he is, he's part of uh, Spectre. Um, Sean Connery's James Bond goes, red wine with fish, I should have known. <laughs> <laughs> like, you couldn't have been one of us. You could have been one of us doing that. Um, and then the other one is um, in uh, Diamonds Are Forever with Mr. Wint and Mr. Kidd at the very end. He's already dispatched. Um, uh, oh, um, he's already dispatched um, Blofeld, uh, but he's on the ship with Tiffany Case, and they bring out uh, the bomb. They said, "He said we're all we're all out of." He orders a certain a certain type of wine, a claret, and um, Mr. Wint comes out and says, "Oh, I'm sorry, we're out of that." And he goes, "No, you brought me a claret, and that's how I know this." So he, you know, throws him overboard with the bomb because um, they're bringing out a bomb with a cake, and those two. Um, with Crispin Glover's dad and um, jazz bassist Putter Smith are they are some of the best henchmen in all of the James Bond movies. So um, that, if you haven't seen that one, that's a, they're they're a very odd pairing. Uh, yes, two instances of James Bond outing folks with wine. So yes, he should know his way around a wine list. But we're not going to lean into that either. I want to stick stick with completely co- with cocktails completely. And I'll probably skip over the mint and julep because he had those in 
Goldfinger when he was down in in Kentucky near Fort Knox. Um, so, yes, I'm I'm clearing all the references from Spirit of Time. <sighs> anyway, yeah. and and I admit that I haven't. Uh been able to listen to, to either of our, our friends uh podcasts on the uh, on this topic i was uh, woefully behind uh, on all of it um but i i agree i i feel that uh cocktails just suits the bon ethos right i mean we we have to we have to suspend disbelief so incredibly hard right that that this like orphaned kid that becomes an agent has like the money for all of this fancy stuff and, you know, fine tastes and whatnot. Like, I I feel like, uh, I feel like a lot of actual secret agent stuff is pretending to be an absolutely bog standard, normal person. Uh, overseas and then like a lot of very unglamorous dead drops and, and crap like that sitting on benches picking up coffee cups stuff like that so like we, we've got to suspend disbelief pretty hard to uh, to think that this is what the spy game is like oh true but that's that's what makes it uh, well, but, but that's what makes uh, it fun it is what makes it fun. Although I will say going back to the novels and knowing Fleming's kind of history during World War II, I do think there was a certain set of, I don't say like your gentleman spy, but I do think there was definitely a folks who were well connected, who were, you know, putting in service, you know, within their circles. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, I think there is a time and a place maybe for that. I think, I think a lot of what modern espionage is, is probably nowhere near that, but um, you never know. I mean, well, yeah. That's why it's espionage. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. That's, that's, when, why, that's why. When done well, you're right. You yeah, never know. Exactly. That's kind of the whole point. Um, but anyway, so I think I think the interesting thing about about Bond in that, I mean, the, the vodka martini or the Vesper martini, I know that's been made famous. I know that he brought that back. But he did drink several things in some of the novels. He's had, obviously, several folks have mentioned other cocktails or other beverages he's enjoyed um, in the films. But I do kind of think, like to your point, kind of being more worldly, more well-traveled. I mean, obviously, a, a former British Navy officer transitioning over to to the, the British Secret Service. Um, there are some things that would probably go with him. But, you know, some of the points that have been made in other episodes, you know, well-traveled, been to the Caribbean quite a bit. I, I would also think, though, that if you're trying to blend in with whatever set you're in, I don't necessarily think that you'd you'd have to have a go-to. I think the idea would be to have a go-to based on uh, your location, essentially having, you know, sampling the local fare, much like he did with the the fairer sex. Yes, (laughs) very much so. (laughs) So if you've got a different lady in every port, uh, why why not have a different beverage for wherever you're at and let the the local fare dictate? Yeah, uh, that that is the uh, the prudent thing. I mean, w- once again, you would think that it would you would do well to blend in and not mm-hmm. stick out like a sore thumb. So, you know, when you're in the Caribbean, 
there's going to be rum drinks, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no, absolutely. And I think I think if you look at places where yes, he's he's in the Caribbean quite a bit. Several books and movies take him to the U.S. And in some ways, you know, hearing Matt and Greg talk about at least of the time when the character would have been conceived, a lot of bitters heavy or bitter heavy cocktails being popular. I think a Boulevardier could be right up there, which is one of the reasons why I mixed one today. Um, I I think that is kind of a, it's a, it's a unique take on a way to drink either bourbon or rye. Um, I I think it's a little bit different than a Manhattan or an old fashioned, which I think are two very other good choices. But if you're leaning into some sort of whiskey and bitter, doesn't get much more on the nose than this drink. So I think that is definitely in the running uh, for, for one that he could do, especially if he's stateside. You know, I, yeah. I can think of, you know, old-fashioned Manhattan, Boulevardier, any of those could lean in pretty easily uh, depending on the locale. And, you know, that, that would be a good one if he's in operating, you know, in, in the U.S. I, I think my favorite one, though, would be if he's north of the border. Um, could, you do, could you do something pretty basic? And, and maybe do a seven and seven for 007. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've been waiting for that. Cause, Cause you just uh, hear Daniel Craig ordering a seven and seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. That, uh, I feel that yes, that would be hilarious and, 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 and fitting. I, I also, think that anything that it includes desecrating booze with with pop is is oh, beneath a spy completely agree um that would that would be that was really more of a joke but you know yeah. <laughs> um oh seven and seven sweet <laughs> sweet headache fuel <laughs> gosh <laughs> I, I mean, I, th- I think you're right. I think the other thing that is interesting is the character is Scottish, and we do know that. Um, and in um, oh, Skyfall, there's the scene with the the shooting match and the Macallan. Now, I know that was definitely product placement, but you know, a, a, an orphan from the Highlands could very easily just have a, a hankering for something. That reminds yeah, him of be, home on his travels. Yeah, it'd be like uh, Glenn Lovett. Could be. Shivas, you know, something yeah, could be, could be, could be like that. Honestly, you know, leaning in on the, on the, you know, you're a, a Scottish boy stationed in the Caribbean and frequently the Caribbean. I think what we were drinking last week wouldn't be a bad, a bad choice, you know. Hot Scotch Summer, of, uh, baby. Yeah, remind me, uh, yeah, James Bond leaning in hard on Hot Scotch Summer um, with, you know, you know, the rum cask aged, uh, Glenn Levette, I think, might might be the perfect drink. Um, I think so, too. You know, you do a, a version of a Dark and Stormy with that down in the Caribbean, that wouldn't be a bad way to go with the ginger beer. Um, so I think that if he's if he's down in the Caribbean and that's available and he's a modern-day character, I think you do that. Otherwise, you know, Matt's, ch- Matt's choice of the, the Bacardi cocktail, I think, would be good. I mean, I, I struggle. I struggle hearing Bond order a daiquiri. Even even a non fruity version or whatever, I just I'm not familiar enough with how that would be made. Um, but I, yeah, I I think that uh, I don't know I don't know whether this is confirmed or 
whether this is just like some strange rumor that I've heard, but I thought JFK liked the Akeries. Hmm. Maybe, maybe not. He's also a big James Bond fan. So that was also noted. Um, the, uh, so. Oh yeah, he did. Okay. Good deal. I I wanted to make sure that I wasn't, uh, spreading some vicious rumor, uh, (laughs) about our, uh, one of our favorite uh, presidents from the from the day. The uh, so I, I think we've covered Caribbean, we've covered the states. Obviously, the martini is is classic, and you you'd be ordering that in several different places. I I think that uh, you, you talk about leaning into home. Yeah, obviously, he's a, a, a Scot, and, and Scotch whiskey would be a good one. Um, if he's bought in uh, too hard to the whole like uh, British marketing, because like I, I don't care for marketing, and I, I really would prefer to call the English English and not Brits. Yes, it, it fries me. Um, I think that maybe you need to like lean in super hard and have like a Pim's cup, but served in a pimp cup, a la Archer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, talk, that's a talk about yeah, yeah. Talk about a drink that doesn't blend in anywhere unless you're at uh, the Ascot, right? Yes. Oh, um, what was the name of the place that the supper club that M went to? I want to say it was called Blades. This is in the uh, the novels. Um, obviously, M. Again, a former Navy man as well. And um, it's the uh, it's the novel version of Moonraker, which as goofy and as campy as Moonraker the movie is, the novel is actually pretty pretty awesome. Um, oh, I, I was yeah. I was waiting there with bated breath because I thought that you were going to drop a the novel is even more crazy. No, the <laughs> novel actually is a legit like like it, it's pretty interesting. I mean, there's still some pretty crazy stuff in it, but like it's not anywhere near as um, campy as you know the Roger Moore version uh, with the space shuttle and whatnot, but the place that they find Hugo Drax, who is the, the villain in that novel is he's recently joined the same. I want to say it was bridge club that M is playing at and they're, they think he's cheating and they can't understand why he's somebody of his wealth would be cheating. Um, and there's a, there's a, an other motivation for it, but uh, we can, well, I'll leave that to you all to, to read uh, the novel. It's again much better novel than than much than it is a movie. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I I honestly I can't think of anything else that you know that hasn't already been covered. The only thing I can think of too is like, what if you're in a weird spot and like a place that you've not been to and you're trying to blend in. So like some of the places I can think of and, and during, definitely during the cold war and you could imagine that he's in Russia or the Soviet union at the time. So the, the martini I think still makes sense in that situation. You know, that's 
you know, maybe a little bit higher brow, but vodka is definitely the thing to lean into if you're in that area. What if you're in Germany? Hmm. I know we Schnapps. didn't. I know we didn't want to go into other beverages, but like, you got to go with a beer, right? Right. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, schnapps is also very appropriate. Yeah, but there's you're not really doing cocktails with that. You're just getting. Yeah, you're just drinking schnapps all day. Uh, some some glue vine, which which really isn't a cocktail, but it is a modified wine, right? A mold yeah. wine. Yeah. Um, that that is uh, the delicious pre, post, and during winter activity drink. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone everyone's uh, rightfully so. Uh, admiring the the Germans for their beers, the Bavarian purity law. Everyone loves that. Um, yeah, so it's it's hard to think. There, there's not to me. There's not a liquor that that springs to mind like you know mm-hmm. the English and their gin, yes, right? or, or America and whiskey, or the Scots and and their whiskey, or the Canadians and. Their whiskey. <laughs> uh, he does make it to Japan a fair amount as well, and you know I feel like again simply a sake with sake kind of, bombs. Kind of, I don't know that you need to do the bombs there. You need to keep your wits about you at a certain point. Um, yeah, the one that I want to look into is um, one that was listed in a couple of different... Oh. So this is easy. This is easy. And this might be... This is closest to canon. And it goes with something that our our friend Sandy talked to us about. It it may not even be a cocktail. Because several times... In the novels, when he's in the U.S., he orders a very specific drink. Now, he doesn't have a specific bourbon that he goes to, but he goes simply with a bourbon and branch water, which is, much like Sandy said, essentially getting a little bit of water into the whiskey to open it up. So, to me, that's probably leaning in on the, well, when I'm home, it's whiskey without the E, and maybe an ice cube or two or a little bit of water. Here in the States, bourbon and branch water. Same type of thing. So you could riff on the classic cocktails. You could lean in or whatever. But it sure seems like, depending on where you're at, some sort of whiskey, a little bit of water, whether it's ice or not. Hard to beat. And, you know, given that 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 is, depending on your country of origin, the first word of this podcast – <laughs> I th- I think I think we could lean in pretty hard there. Like I don't know that you have to be brand loyal. I'm obviously I think he is kind of trying to blend in. You're not going to order rail and water if you're going rail. You're mixing. If you're going to go high, like he's probably got a few that he is familiar with and would like to to lean into that are mid tier and up. Given that he is a English gentleman and trying to blend in enough, like you're not going to order you're not going to order red wine with fish, Buzz. No, <laughs> never, <laughs> never. 
I um so one of the other things that occurred to me, so right, I mean we're we're um taking this from a like how suitable uh, is is it um standpoint. I really wonder like if there's anything um that would help in in the trade craft, right? Like and I I draw a blank, but like you know, might you prefer a simpler cocktail because it's like less likely that someone will try to like slip some poison in it. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, would it be uh, helpful to have uh, a cocktail, like a, a bloody Mary that has a bunch of crap in it. So you could like hide a microphone in, um, <laughs> yeah, these You're are thinking <laughs> of the garnish. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. you could get a whole like satellite receiver in the one at Sobelman's up in Milwaukee. They serve you a whole freaking broasted chicken. <laughs> uh, um, well, I, you you bring up a very interesting point that if like if all that you're doing is having somebody pour you a cocktail, it'd be very noticeable if your whiskey was fizzing. <laughs> like, right, that would be a bit of a problem. Um, and the other thing too is you know everyone at least in the novels from what I read and a lot of a lot of this came a lot of my interest in reading the novels came from the first podcast that I started listening to which was the James Bonding podcast um two gentlemen out in California who have you know, several podcasts one works with Conan O'Brien now one's a writer on the Goldbergs at this point but um really kind of got me into podcasts in general and they've they've explored some of the cocktails but one of the things that um they're both named Matt uh, Matt Myra and Matt Gorley um, we're talking about is in the novels, it was kind of a joke that he ordered his martinis shaken, not stirred. And that's because shaking it has the potential to break down the ice in the shaker and water down your cocktail, which right. some folks are like, oh, he can't hold his liquor. It's like, well, no, actually, he wants you to think he's drinking more than he is or he keeps just a little bit more of his wits about him than you do because he's a spy. So to that point, maybe the same thing, the bourbon and branch water or a little bit of water with the whiskey um, opens it up a little bit and adds, you know, adds the flavor, but also maybe helps him stay a little bit more with it than he otherwise normally would be uh, during his escapades out on the town when he needs to keep his wits about him. So I, th- I think to your point, leading in on the trade craft on keeping it simple so there's fewer things to put in, fewer chances for something illicit to go in the drink, which, you know, the... the um, the same scene in from Russia with love on the train, which the fight scene in the train, in the train cabin is pretty, any fight that James Bond has during in, in a unique spot is fun. But that fight in the train cabin is kind of the original one. And the second one is fantastic. It's right up there with uh, the one that cost Daniel Craig, his ACL during filming for Spectre uh, with Dave Bautista um, <laughs> uh, as Mr. Hanks in, uh, in that movie. But Honestly, he, he slips. He slips something into the the Russian girl's drink in from Russia with love, and it's very noticeable that her glass of wine is bubbling. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, anything that would have a tonic in it would kind of it would kind of eliminate that from being a tell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although it'd help uh, help you with um, oh, uh, quinine. Right? Yeah. Helps you against uh, malaria, so that's yes. that's a plus. Yeah, you know. 
Yeah, I, I have to say a, a decent, pretty much all uh, of the reason why I would ever want to to ride like an overnight train is spy movies. Yeah. It's really the only legitimate reason. Like, okay, okay. I'm going to take that back. Retraction, you heard it here first. Uh, obviously, the Agatha Christie, like, Akio Poirot novels. Um, yeah, there's one of them on a train. It's pretty dope. Yes, there there is. But the Murder on the Orient Express? Yes. And, okay, so you're really splitting hairs here between spy movies and then also Agatha Christie detective novels. <laughs> no, no, I'm not trying to merge the two. I'm saying that both are appropriate. No, I said you're splitting hairs here. They're, they're, they're de- detectives and spies are, they're not the same, but they're not that different. <laughs> uh, the, the little green, the little gray cells, ha- Hastings, <laughs> to get the little gray cells going. Uh, well, honestly, I feel like as much as, as much fun as it is to riff on all these cocktail themes and discuss, you know, what, what Bond would be drinking in the various ports of call. I, I think it's pretty simple. If you're in a place where they make their own whiskey, you have that with a, a couple of ice cubes or a little bit of water and you call it a day. Mm. Nothing fancy gets the job done. Uh, as, as McDee alluded to, it may just be for strict medicinal purposes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so um, imagine yeah. that. Uh, yeah, a, a couple of guys on the Whiskey and Watches podcast shilling hard for the benefits of whiskey. You know, um, why not? Depending on whether or not you include the letter E, I think you're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know something? If if you want it to be a little bit island theme, but also remind you of home, our friend Sandy has you covered. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, got summer. Hot Scotch Summer, we're leaning in hard. Buzzy, what are we drinking next week? Because at this point... <laughs> Twinning is winning, I suppose. It is. Spangler's going to come back and ruin it for us, isn't he? Um, Spangler could never ruin it for this us. Is, let's let's this be... Is very true. Let's be real here. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. I, I do think it's utterly hilarious that, that we're on a, uh, on a two-week streak here. With no communication prior. Mm-mm. No, not not one bit. The funny thing is, I half, I half wanted to just have like a beer or, or tea or something, something very low effort, uh, low energy, and uh, but then I knew that we were talking about James Bond cocktails. I would be a a terrible, terrible podcast host if I didn't lean in on that. Oh yes. Um, so, I don't want to disappoint the listeners any more than I normally do. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. yeah, I think we, I think we both share in in our our disappointing of such you, listeners. Oh, you don't want to disappoint the listeners any more than I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I try to set my bar just above how much you disappoint them. I just need to be just up here. My man, very wise, very wise. You don't have to outrun the bear. That's right. That's right. I, I, 
That's the uh, the missing chapter of uh, Plato's <laughs> Republic. Actually, yes. is yeah, yes. just be a little bit less of a disappointment than than you. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, we will catch everybody next week. If you're not too disappointed in us, hopefully we'll see you then. <laughs> see ya. <laughs>